Well, you know, the safe gig, you know, I'm on the you weekend. Plus or minus 30 seconds, Chris. Plus or minus 30 seconds. Or you all the time. This is wholly, totally on me. I forgot I'm in a different time. Seasonably late. Yeah, yeah, so. International man of mystery. Doesn't even know what time zone it is. This is what happens when you're in Kentucky, so you forget that there's, you know, the rest of the world even exists. So. But tonight, finally, we've got we got somebody I'm going to want to get on here. Our first guest. Actually, we have a bunch of first guests really tonight. But we got uh, NC Scout himself in the house. Uh, we got Rosin's, or I mean, Emery's better have Rosin sitting in with us tonight. And Carl will be falling down the stairs shortly, I'm sure, to come uh, sit in the So he's walking like a gimp, too. Yep. Yeah. Poor, poor Carl. Let's do a shout out to Carl. Oh. I be dead Delta gets a taste of his own medicine. <laughs> <laughs> he was just whining that the Motrin wasn't working on his knee. I'm like, dude, you realize what I did, you right? Carl was my medic on the team, and I'm going to tell him, hey, Carl, does that hurt? Don't do it. He says, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great big. Uh, oh. big uh, Brush beater in the house tonight, man. And on camera, I was surprised when you said you're going to be on camera. Yeah, I will absolutely be on camera. My my Whitey Morgan T-shirt and everything, man. Hell yeah! Oh boy, <laughs> that's right. That's awesome, man. Oh, uh, well, he's out here. We did the Green Bray Fourth of July last night, twenty five minute fire firework show at Carl's house. 26 minutes and 15 seconds. Excuse me, 26 minutes and 15 seconds. Well, <laughs> it, with, with five grown nails running back and forth, uh, you know, lighting them, lighting that shit as fast as we could. Fast with, yep. Yep. Good. He went off. <clears throat> oh. I got a new from being yourself, Emery. Very anal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> somebody knew somebody knew this guy that was past that was past 60 seconds we were way worse 60 seconds <laughs> yeah, we were we were waiting on that one weren't we too <laughs> bye bye that was first yeah, that was first. That was right. that's not cussing that's not cussing that's a medical term <laughs> medical. this is true it depends on who you ask though if it's a medical term or not because apparently in medicine they can't define some words nowadays <laughs> mm, you know just saying but but Matt, what have you been up to, man? What do you got going on these days? Because you're you're suddenly becoming the, uh, the the proprietor of a serious online concern for selling of radio equipment and cool gear that you're developing. And I don't think most folks know what you're up to. Oh, and they're still not going to know. <laughs> cool. and, and you definitely have to wait to find out. I think there's a uh, loud Wi-Fi. He's trying to stream off us, getting in trouble. So, oh, hey, Carl. He's sneaking up. Carl. Oh, there's no right. I'm back. I got so weirdly interrupted. Yeah, there you go. So, what am I up to? I have not. I mean, interrupt anybody's introduction. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me say Let me say it. Hey, what's up, guys? Carl, did that hurt? Stop. Did that hurt, Carl? Did that hurt? Sitting down, yeah. 
Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> Remember what you used to tell me on the TV? Does that hurt? Don't do it. You don't use it on Seth, what you screws? I didn't so. Not we haven't met in person yet, but uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. So, well, you two need to meet. Hotter, be on here. Absolutely. Uh, Freaking frack up there, Emery and his sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lawson, you know, you're the uh, the better looking intelligent part of that dynamic duo right there. Also, it's better than being a rear kick. That's why I'm wearing glasses right now. We look smart. Uh pressing. Matt, I'm sorry, man. I'm 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 really curious to hear what you uh what you got going on. Matt. Yeah, go on, go on, Matt. As well, absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, so uh launch brushbeater.store, which is uh I've got a bunch of products up there. I launched a brand new product today in conjunction with Black Hills Design. We had a tool called Ranger Cards, uh, which some folks may or may not have seen out there, but uh, through an old Soviet PSO scope, you know, and it had that choke type range fire in there. It's super simple, very, very effective, very efficient to use. Um, you know, almost no training time involved in that thing. And I always thought that that was really neat. And some other people thought that that was pretty cool as well. And when you're training uh, designated marks, you know, somebody that you don't have enough time to put through a formal sniper school, you don't have really have time to teach mid-dolphal thing. You go like this to them and, and, and be, right? Um, it might be a little bit. A little bit. It's, it's coming out. Okay. Aim it on Elama. It's uh, where I live. I store like I'm uh, out in the middle of the boonies, and it's kind of, uh, it's, it's hit them when it's, it's far from this. And, and, oh. Yeah, you can help. This is all real funny. Now. No batteries. Yeah, you know, back and yeah, in fro. There he goes. You're in and out, man. It's kind of coming and going. There you go. Now you're moving. All right. Satellite moves fast. But anyway, when I, I got the first batch in, it needs to against with this. What's the bathroom? Yeah, he's cutting out. What he's saying, guys, is he made analog rangefinders that you kind of hold up, move them yeah. so the person fits in there, and then analog rangefinder. They're super cool. I'm going to be doing a bunch for my patrons. are going to be getting those as a gimme as soon as I can get 100 of them from Matt. Whenever that is. Now that's super useful. You know, we all hear about about the the ranging reticles, like, you know, on the ACSS reticles for primary arms. And that's Carl, my good friend, uh, Dimitri, that came up with those and all that. But really nobody's making stuff that's not attached to a rifle. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. So. This so is uh, where the old prism ones, uh, it would, you'd have a split image. 
and you focus get back before each other because they go all the way back to the old uh, drug market one with the two lenses that were far apart coming up out of the trench trench warfare those were very accurate range finders back in the day they were and you know they're obsolete now with laser range finders Except they're not. There are times where laser rangefinders, they just don't work. And it doesn't mean just that batteries, uh, certain types of rain. And, Sandstorm. Yeah, it's, like it doesn't. <clears throat> reflection. Yeah, it's hard to get a mouse back. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to get. Yeah. If they, if these darts, it's a rangefinder for 1,200 meters. Uh, whatever they say it's good for, rule of thumb for us as actual users, end users, cut it in half. Yeah. So if they say, you know, hey, this is it's good for 1,200 meters, good for 1,200 meters for a highly reflective flat steel target <clears> in past <throat> day. But if you're actually out trying to shoot a the side of a furry elk, or where somebody wearing actual camouflage that's designed to break it up, you're you're gonna you're gonna get about 600 meters bounce back. But that's it's good for planning. Just we'll um, cut it, cut it in half. Whatever they market it for, cut it. That's the cool thing about these analog ones that you've made. Doesn't affect it at all. Doesn't affect it at all. Lasers are not the end all, be all. So I'm, I'm excited. I'd like to put them out. Absolutely, I'll send one out to you. Uh, This new model, though, before I started going all robo and having some connectivity issues, this new model has map tools integrated on it as well. So I've got plot corners in the corners. For one in twenty-four thousand for UTM, one in twenty-five thousand, one in fifty thousand. You've also got bullet drop tables as well for five-five-six and seven-six-two NATO for M80 ball. So what this is, so the, the for everybody that's listening to this and you're like, what the heck are these these things that you're talking about? Um, I've got one of the mini ones here that I'll hold up to the camera so you can see. You'll see the uh, the kind of this reverse fluke right here on the bottom you know so say like at the top i've got uh this, the average size of a door up here then i have the average height of a man which is 1.8 meters then i have a ranch fence just one meter right here right and so the average height of a man 1.8 meters you know everything is is law of averages here right uh i figure out you know hey the guy is uh he put his feet here on the horizontal line his head comes up to the floor right there, right? So he's 400 meters away, give or take a little bit, right? Because it's all based on the law of averages. Well, if I say, all right, he's at 400 meters, I'm going to put his head right here or a mass where my shot is meant to be right here at the four. And then wherever my horizontal line is, that's my holdover point. So I'm going to know where, all right, this is where I need to aim for my point of impact to be where I want it to be, all right? That's how that works. It's very, very simple. It's a it's a, a basic system, very rudimentary system, requires no batteries. And, uh, but th this, again, this is the mini one. I have the, the or uh, the micro one rather, uh, is, is the nomenclature on it, but it's the small, all one. It's the one you can fit in a credit card, or, you know, holder or whatever. Uh, the the larger one, they're, they're a little bit larger, um, but they have a lot more functionality as well, but they have those integrated map tools. So I went back to uh, Black Hills Design, who, who is the uh, manufacturer of the uh, really great guy out in South Dakota, and I told him, I said, hey, man, uh, this would be really awesome if you integrate map tools on. 
that way, you know, thinking, you know, back a lot of schools, a lot of time in the field, especially when I was in Afghanistan, you know, um, we've got GPS, we've got daggers, but at that time, that was really when Iran started playing some games with uh, uh, your your GPS signals and everything, and we weren't really relying on that as much. And it was like, hey, you know, map and paper, get back to the basics, start using map and paper again, because GPS is there to confirm what you already know. But yeah, we we need to be relying on the basics here, and always carrying around a protractor, which is just mandatory kit. Right, that that is an everyday carry. That is what you always have on you, along with a compass, cell map, physical maps, your GRG, and having something like this that had integrated map tools on it. To me, made sense. This is something that that we need. This is what the community needs. Um, and he was all about it. We made it happen, and uh, they finally came in. Took a little bit of time because I got a huge order. The problem I've had on this floor is keeping things in stock. And uh, for anybody in the collections, and, you know, Chris, you know, because we've talked about yeah. this, um, I never anticipated that the demand for video equipment would be as high as it is. Uh, the books, the, uh, you know, the, the I wrote a field manual for the Balfang radio. Um, you know, it, it it's essentially the Gorilla's Guide to Balfang radio. I never intended for it to do... Uh, what it ended up doing, um, had some friends uh, that that said, hey, you know, it'd be really cool if you wrote a field manual for this book or uh, for this radio, rather, because all the books that are written on it are really uh, amateur radio or, you know, kind of, they, they're not really written from the perspective of what, a ground pounder might need and of course this was about the time that ukraine was really getting hot and heavy and the bow thing has been all over the place uh several other people that that have come from the unconventional warfare community have come to class and you know i've had the opportunity to work with them and yeah this this we we, we have it it's a very simple device but at the same time we want to know how to wring the most amount of capability out of it and so i wrote the book from that perspective of kind of certain old school techniques, uh, data bursts for sure. Um, you know, going going way back to Vietnam, using Trigram, one-time pad encryption, Diana, uh, all of those things, and really integrating um, antenna theory in there where it's relevant. So, so anybody that's been to Arslick or especially 18 Echo Course will recognize the antenna designs in there. And I have step-by-step instructions on how to build those out of improvised stuff in your working environment. Uh, when I have the RTO course, I, you know, the the equipment that the students get for building antennas all comes from tractor supply. Uh, it's all antenna wire or electric fence wire for antenna wire. Um, the only things that that they you know have to source externally, uh, which I provide for them, is is the cobra heads. Uh, and the antenna connectors for the radios. And, you know, I, I provide all that, and I'm carrying all that stuff in the store now, uh, along with the radios as well. So, you know, I've got a, got a lot of stuff. I've got a lot more products that are inbound. Um, right now, it's it's really just dealing with the shipping times on everything. Uh, but the thing, right now, I have everything that you need to build capability at all levels from 
the uh, what I call the sustainment communications perspective of how do I create communications over an area? Um, just you know, to to for for general purpose communications in lieu of a cell phone to tactic communication, coordinate fire and maneuver. That has a whole different set of considerations, right? I have that provided as well. And then clandestine, uh, which clandestine communications, I dive deep into that in the book. Um, but I have everything that you need, all the tools, uh, even for a one-time pad, ad printer that uh, makes one-time pad really, really simple. Um, got all of that, got HF radio equipment. I have two different ones. Uh, that are, uh, and I have a third one that is on the way that should be delivered uh, early next week. We should have that. Uh, so a lot of products, a lot of things to to be really excited about the store. And uh, I've got a couple more books that are way right now. As Russ, we have finding the time to finish. Oh, I just want to see if they had the link we can put up on the screen for everybody because what are, a lot of oh, folks don't realize. Yeah, Matt is. He's got this store and everything, but he's also an instructor. And so sitting in tonight, you guys have one, two, three, four, five actually instructors sitting in this tonight. Uh, Emory and Rosin both instruct. Obviously, Carl does. Matt does. And so does Sue. Um, these guys are, I mean, a wealth of knowledge shitting in a cat. And he does. Well, I. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to say that. Matt's brought it up. Um, and it's awesome to have. Yeah, this, these kind of folks here, even though probably sitting back there not saying nothing. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Matt, have you been tracking France and the crap going on there? South Africa? I am. The, uh, the, the, the French Intifada, uh, <laughs> which is kind of how I interpret it. Uh, yeah, I think it's very so ironic so. that in 1957, the Algerians fought a war of independence. Uh, they, the FLN fought a war of independence. And, you know, the, the Battle of Algiers, which I've told people to read, uh, or uh, uh, watch, rather, it's free on YouTube. You, you know, watch it. it, it it's, it's an old film. It's black and white. It's, it's uh, you know, subtitles. But it is a film that is critically important to understand the nature of insurgency, uh, why this occurs. You know, what motivates an insurgent? You know, why is it, why why do insurgents typically, they, they think very different. Why is it akin to criminal behavior? Uh, because it absolutely is. And, and the phases of, of revolution, the phases of, uh, of counter-revolution as well, I think that, that the film does a particularly good job explaining the missteps that the French Algerian police made first, and then uh, what the French Paris the, the critical errors that they made in Algiers proper uh, stay arrived after the bombing of the Casper. What does that have to do with today? Well, and and not and not to mention the French Foreign Legion there, Matt. They they, they were horrible. At, oh, absolutely. Didn't Absolutely. What that has to do with today is is that they have imported France and and much of Europe can can speak to this as well. They're guilty of it as well. They have imported some of the worst segments of those societies into their nations, knowing full well the elites of, of their cultures know full well that these, these people are not going to integrate. They have no desire to do so. But they wanted them to exploit them for cheap labor. And now they're surprised at the result. And so we we have we have people who who were already 
outcasts from the larger society, from the larger social order, from where they came from. This is something that cannot be ignored. They, they were outcasts from where they came from. That's why they left. If they were part of the power structure in any way, shape, or form, they'd have no motivation to leave. But they left. They don't, they, they don't go to these new places seeking a better life. That's, that's a liberal fantasy. They know full well life for them. Where they, life where they've come from is a zero-sum game. This, this is something that liberals can't understand. Zero, it's a zero-sum game where they, they come from. They, they know it's, it's life or death, and they look at it very much the same way. No desire to acclimate to a permanent uh, uh, culture that, that is existing in, in the country in which they, wherever it is that they go to. Um, and so, into account, then they're adamant. They're reckless because they're disenfranchised. They, they're alienated from the larger country. Uh, culture they're alienated from the people that are there and they they don't they don't have a nation of their own and so now they they become attracted to radical ideology they become radicalized by that radical ideology and they're going to act upon it and this is exactly what we see you know it, it's it, there's not a lot of difference you, you see a, a analog between that and some of the goings-on that, that happened a few summers ago you know in the united states here you have to look at it all the same way. And, and why is it that they all end up, when you distill them down, they all behave the same way? This is why. Because it's the same, It's literally the same thing. When people do not feel like that they're, they're integrated into society, and they're not integrated into society, they're attracted to radical ideology, right? And so that's, that's where we are. It's it's not that they're angry because the Algerian kid got shot by the cops, right? In France, that that's not it. That was just the focal point. Okay, that was the focal point. That was what they were attracted to. That was the excuse. The pot was already boiling, right? The pot was already boiling. Matt, what you're saying is so poignant and so accurate. Um, and I've I've been through this a lot of times. The region of the world that that I fought in, right? Um, and you can actually, not only is this all accurate, but you can kind of boil it all down. If you take a, the story of the prophet Muhammad, right? It was the exact same thing, right? When he had to, uh, leave Mecca, right? He fled and went to Medina, right? Because the local leadership there was going to kill him, uh, for essentially taking away their, their source of funding, right? Tourism. And he went and developed this whole thing of, okay, we're the underdogs now in this new city in Medina. We're the underdogs. And it is your duty to play ball with everybody there until such time as you have enough uh, strength in numbers to get up and do exactly what you called it, which is intifada. Intifada means an uprising in Arabic. Uh, and I, I, by the way, I fought in what's called the second intifada, the whole thing. And, and it's exactly that process. I'm sorry. I, I, I wanted to cut in and say that, but this no. is no, no, so no, on point. Real quick, though, that's, guys, that's I, I want to suggest to Chris that we do a, uh, with all your viewers, have them do a, I, let's do a, like a, uh, you guys do contests? I, I, we do giveaways. I, I think we should do a contest, like uh, drawings of Muhammad or something. <laughs> <laughs> cool, I'm right now. Thanks, Paul. 
Well, Matt talks a lot about South America because a lot of people don't pay attention to it. The stuff going down there in Brazil, Argentina, Venezuela, Colombia, even. Um, supposed to be one of our allies, not so much these days. Well, just using action globally. Yeah. Well, I saw that, some, that ship is uh, Brazil and China in bed together as well. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there's no. Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Well, the the current geopolitical picture, everything south of the Rio, um, going into South Central America, South America. Uh, they, I don't know. I'm going to tell people to, to uh, read, but come list. I see my bonds for free. Um, it it it's a quick read. And uh, this is something that you definitely need to pay attention to. It's going to give you a longer view of uh, South America, the mood of South America, and real things to why it's for communist revolution. Um, it, it is a critically important read to understand. It it predicted the Cuban revolution. Cyril Mills was, was uh, very, very adept at, at doing this because people. Listen to, to, to what people had to say. Right? Uh, sympathetic to, to left-leaning causes, uh, for sure. But right? what do they tell us? And so in South America, the long-term view, you know, if, if we look at Nicaragua, for example, uh, now Daniel Ortega, the leader of the Sandinistas, um, came back to power. And handle that up. He is a Chinese, plain and simple. Uh, Honduras, same way. El Salvador. Uh, the the leader of the El Salvador guy, by the way, is an Iranian guy. Believe it or not, he is the son of an Iranian imam, uh, a a Shiite imam. Uh, so it's very fascinating. Now this kind of gives you another dynamic because the Iranians have a presence not just in Brazil. But in Venezuela as well, in what's known as a tri-border region, uh, Hezbollah has a, a very strong presence there in a camp that is fairly elaborate. They've been working with the the uh, ELN as well in Colombia. So let's talk about Brazil. So uh, also, who was a very staunch ally of Donald Trump and the United States in American interests, uh, the Biden administration turned their back on him and basically ensured that Lula would be reelected, a man who was every bit as corrupt. But, and what did he do? More. He immediately ratified Brits. He immediately, the day after he was welcomed at the White House by Biden, welcomed an Iranian warship in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, that's horrible. That, that is a slap in the face to American foreign policy. All right. Let's talk about that as well. So in 2018, Venezuela had an uprising in Caracas. We were uh, attempting, as I say we, the United States was was deeply involved in it. Uh, the dissident pol uh, political leader, Juan Guaido, was welcomed at the um, uh, State of the Union address in 2018, if anyone remembers that. Donald Trump called out of it. And he was there. He received a law. He, the, the uprising, those flannel shirts uprising uh, failed ultimately. And 
Now that solidified Duro's power. Okay. We did the same in Cuba. Failed. It only solidified uh, the, the power of Miguel Diaz, who is the, the successor to Astro. Right. So now we're paying sure of everywhere south of the southern border going southward into South America is Chinese aligned, right? This is all painting a broader picture. Now let's talk about Colombia. So, Gustavo Petro was a communist guerrilla in the 1980s. He was part of a group called M19, right, which later splintered off. Uh, joined up with FLN or uh, ELN rather, and they they kind of amalgamated in that. He got into politics. He's elected as their new president, right? Very much similar, uh, very similar platform to Bernie Sanders. Uh, radical redistribution of wealth and splitting up a lot of the the farms and uh, the old uh, impresarios with their social order system. Uh, split split a lot. And the, the next thing that he did immediately was to call the commanding generals of the military in and begin trust for them. Well, this is extremely significant because he said that you are a you are an American puppet. This was his his distinct language. You are an American puppet, and you have been American puppets for the atrocities against the people of Colombia. Was his language. This is very specific, and he immediately normalized relations with China and broke them off with Taiwan, said we will no longer recognize Taiwan as a sovereign nation. What does that tell you? He also cut off our access to their oil. Now, now Colombia doesn't have a tremendous amount of petroleum reserves, but they they have some friend that we can get. He's a good one in the Well, you know, that's gone. It's it's done. So now we begin with the broader picture. You know, stuff that Michael Yaw's reporting out a lot down in Colombia, uh, or Ma rather, of you know all, all of the the camps, the people who are being picked up. Why are they coming in with all their military age males, along with Chinese, along with Iranians, along with Russians? By the way, uh, you know why? So we have a lot of people coming from South America and Central America. But there's a whole heck of a lot of Chinese as well. Now, another thing, since we're on the topic and we mentioned Cuba here, the Lord A Signals Intelligence Station, which was just in the news. This this was brought up in the news. People were panicking over, oh, there's a Chinese spy station. I did overlays for this on AmericanPartisan.org back in 2018 and said, hey, this is important. It's not important because it's a it's a quote unquote spy station. All right, the Lord A Signal Intelligence Station, if you've ever seen GoldenEye, the, the old James Bond movie with uh, Pierre Osmond, that was the Lord A Signal Intelligence Station at the end of that. You know, the, the whole satellite that fell on Sean Bean and the whole thing, right? Uh, that we, So what, what its purpose was, the Soviets built this place to monitor um, the microwave link between Cape Canaveral and Houston because they, they could get a little bit of the, the uh, refraction of that signal coming off of, of its path well that's pretty much obsolete at this point uh they don't really need to monitor that link in that way anymore it's very significant for another reason because there is a 4,000 meter long runway that is running north south and this thing is just past uh the um uh, jose Marti international airport which is in havana cuba 
that runs east-west. Why is this thing running north-south, and why does it have no other infrastructure anywhere around it? Yeah. Because this is one of the lanes into the base. It's, I think it's like six lanes, and it's just dead ends. <laughs> it's just dead ends. Just dead ends, and there's an air uh, traffic control uh, tower right there. Well, if you look to the north of there, there's the signal intelligence station, all right? If you look to the north of that, you have all these motor pools that are staged out there. You have barracks buildings that have been built. And I did a time lapse on this over time. Look, they've been building this. When the Russians said that they shut this down, they didn't really shut it down. It is said that they did, but they kept dumping money into it. The Cubans weren't doing it. They don't have any money. Why would they do that? It doesn't make any sense. They're already starving. Why, why would they dump money into a dead-end project like that? Because the Russians were funding it, and then the Chinese did. Because we've turned a blind eye to what's going on in the Caribbean and how the Chinese are literally buying up all the island chains there, right? They have a beachhead in Venezuela and in Cuba, just as we were warned. We were warned in the 1860s, really the what, 19, late 1950s, that if Cuba fell in the revolution, in the Cuban Revolution, if Castro came to power, that he he was going to a beachhead for communism in the West. This is what Che Guevara talked about in Guerrilla Warfare. This this is what the the whole last portion of the book is talking about. How he's he's going to bring communist revolution not just to Latin America but to the United States as well. In his mind, we were enemy number one, right? And so here they are. They're doing it. So why is the Signals Intelligence Station important? It's not because it's a station. It's not because they're training spies there or anything. Even if they are, the, the Cuban uh, the Directorate of Intelligence, the GDI, has a uh, center there that, that they use. They call it the uh, um, uh, University of Information Sciences, uh, is, is what it's translated to. But but it's there. Um, just to the north of there, you get all these barracks facilities and you have lily pads, Right. So you have these lily pads, these interconnected, looks like a honeycomb of concrete. Well, what is this for? Why would you build something like this? Well, if I was manning and fielding the S-400 system, which can also be modified to fire the Iskander M's, which we no longer have a treaty, uh, the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty was, was uh, uh, ex- allowed to expire under the Trump administration, well... Now they can take small yield nuclear warrior and play standard M's. They can roll those out, fire off at our reactionary gas, all stone system. Jump in, Chris. Yeah, Holly, let's, let's try to see if we can get fixed and uh, see if we can get Matt sorted out. Did I drop out again? Yeah. Huh? Hey, you're cutting out again. The reason we're all talking so, around the world and, and the things going on is because people here need to be watching these things and getting ready. Sorry, Carl. For what is uh, for that stuff to be hate to be happening here. Uh, and, and when you look at you know we we had the summer 2020 the you know the summer of love and fire um, and now France is going through. We've been watching South Africa for a lot longer than that. And I hope people are paying attention to these things and and taking it to heart and preparing their families and stuff. You know, everybody thinks that nothing like that will ever happen here. Well, in 2020, it got really close. You know, it got real violent. And if you lived in Minneapolis or Portland or Seattle or, you know, parts of New York, you had to deal with this stuff. Um, but it's going to be coming for the rest of 
the country here as well. Maybe not as on high level, but there will be disruptions. And so being ready to deal with power outages and communication outages, that'll be the biggest one. The internet gets affected and, and people can't watch their Netflix and do their TikTok or whatever. That's what they'll start having real problems. Um, because their life gets interrupted. Yeah. That's what it takes. It's interrupting somebody's life. And small little things that happen in the city, it ripples down to us. You interrupt supply chain and uh, electricity, cell phone grids, things like that. Uh, yeah. You have a, a uh, what's the medical term? Uh, a metric fuck ton of ammo? <laughs> if you have a metric fuck ton of ammo, and that's not helping you feed your family when there's rioting in Baltimore and where I'm at, I'm between St. Louis and Nashville and Louisville. And uh, some of those major highways, there are major resupply routes for the entire continental United States. So you interrupt them at an overpass, you get log jam there. It is very hard to rerun tractor trailer truck supply chains around that. And all of a sudden our, pharmacies that only carry 48 hours of meds they're not getting resupplied anymore the grocery stores with 48 hours of food are no longer getting supplied anymore and when people make a run on the shelves those aren't 48 hours anymore they're three hours yeah and all of a sudden you either have it or you don't so um do i squirrel ammo no i don't i i <laughs> Cool thing. I know exactly where he's looking. I'm looking under the pole. Looking under the pole because the, the, the ammo storage room is full and the workshop is full. And but he's not hoarding ammo. But that's for classes and stuff. But but there are other things you should be prioritizing. And if you ask some of these guys that have been to my place, they'll tell you of everything that I stockpiled. Ammo is a very very small part of it. But you see, Emery nodding his head. Because know, we, we, we may collect a lot, but it's because we shoot more than we collect. Than Chris Weatherman has, and that, that's hard to say right there. Yeah, Carl, I, you know, all that being said, and obviously, you know, we're, we're all in 100% agreement here. That's something we discuss a lot. I think a, a point that we have to put out to everybody mm -hmm. first is, yes, the preparations and all that for case shit happens. Yes, absolutely important, but think what there is to be learned from a lot of what Matt was saying is we have to start understanding, just open your eyes and start understanding what's going on in other parts of the world. When we here at home, all we think about is how's this going to affect my internet? How's this going to affect my this or that? Cool. Okay. But in order to, to actually understand what's going on, we got to look outside. We got to look at what's going on in Europe, in Eastern Europe, in the Middle East, in Southeast Asia, all that because things are on repeat throughout history. And like Matt was saying, there's a process by which these things happen. And I'm not talking about financial collapse and that kind of thing. I'm talking about exactly what he's saying with these uprisings. Yes, a lot of them come from similar types of societal groups, but really it's happening more and more across more, uh, more places, right? We really have to keep our our finger on the pulse. Hey, you work in the, you work with the transportation industry. Is there any kind of chatter inside that industry about supply chain issues right now? I mean, I hope a lot would have you. 
Right, right. I mean, there's still a lot of supply chain issues that we're we're all facing. They call it driver shortage. They call it, you know, and and, and a lot of things is a it's a it's a trickle effect that becomes a tidal wave, right? You know, one thing leads to the next, leads to the next, and it just keeps progressing. So um, we do. I mean, as far as supply chain though, it's 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 gotten better, but there's still big big gaps in it. And it, and just like Matt was was saying about trying to get restocked and 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 stuff like that, you and him were talking about. Um, they're just it's hit and miss. Everything's hit and miss, and it's it's not just one thing in particular. It's fuel prices, it's driver shortages, it's intermodal chassis shortages. Um, one thing that we've seen in the transportation industry here in the past couple of years uh, was the refurbishing of ancient prehistoric intermodal equipment uh, to pull product off the ports because they couldn't get anything fast enough to bring anything in um we so they're the taking 19... oh yeah yeah well remember we had all the the issues with the tires in china so everything is now coming out of uh thailand uh for for rubber for a lot of tires um we we've seen issues with some of the big uh national brand tire companies um not i i just the big, you know, think about the biggest tire companies they are. They're having problems finding recaps. You know, they're running out of tires. They're running out of recaps because of, of the of the rubber shortage. Um, so it's once again, it's it's little it's little things all just keep piling up, piling up, piling up. And now here we are. Uh, if you thought two years was bad, two years ago was bad. Think about when the next one hits because that was just a trial run in my in my opinion. That, that, that's a good that's a good point too that's a good point uh, rehearsal yeah covid was a rehearsal every, every time yeah. i went through walmart and i had my mask off you know i know they were recording my shit right there guaranteed just putting me on the list but um that was a that was a trial run to see how how bad they could make it and the next time um i fear that it will be way worse and instead of you know people can't get toilet paper for two weeks uh, it's going to be, you won't have any bread and milk and butter and staples for weeks and weeks on end. And a lot or, of this could be, yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, a lot of this could be started as well, just from, from, uh, rioting. I mean, and, and people are burning cars in the middle of interstates and clogging up traffic. I mean, they, you shut down the supply chain right there. We saw it with a lot of the big cities. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be rioted guys. I mean, uh, you know, uh, T and I live close to each other, but, uh, we're right there on I-40, and uh, down in Atlanta, you look at the the routes and you know the roads and some major highways and things. Atlanta gets shut down. The whole eastern seaboard, especially the southeast, does not get resupplied. And most recently, I just went out to Phoenix. You know, I did my podcast this 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 podcast from Phoenix last week, and trying to get back home on Friday was the beginning of a holiday weekend. My flight got canceled three times. I sat in Atlanta. For 12 hours, I called my wife and said, it'd be it'd be faster for you to drive down here and pick me up and bring me home in a two, two and a half hour drive from Atlanta. And she said, no, honey, it won't. All the highways are shut down too. All the highways are packed right, right now because of just because of a holiday weekend. Now imagine that's a holiday weekend. Imagine if it's a national emergency. And if you're three, three state lines away from home, you're not getting it right. Period. No. And two, all those these, we haven't even begun to see hijackings yet. 
Uh, like you look at South Africa, they almost can't transport anything by road because it gets hijacked. Uh, they loop the trucks out and burn them on the road. Um, and that hasn't really started here. I mean, there's a little bit of hijacking here and there, but not on the, there is. On the industrial scale that we'll be looking at now. And, and it will get a lot worse. Um, you know, these major, these major interstates, you know, 95 and the I-21 corridor and I-77, all these that run, I mean, from, from north, south, east, west, um, doesn't take much for, you know, just something, just an accident causes all kinds of issues, but, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, look, no, all, all these three of you, that's all. No, I just agree. All, all these things we're, oh, we're talking about, though, <laughs> all these, you know, you have to look at uh, the the number of years that we've had, five, six-ish years that we've had of relative quiet from external actors, right? Other, you know, rogue states or, or kind of semi-enemy states, terrorist organizations, that kind of thing. All of a sudden, nobody talks about terrorism. All of a sudden, nobody talks about the Middle East. Nobody talks about all these things. You know why? It's because all these things that we're discussing are apparent to people from outside of the United States, right? They are obvious to a lot of these other countries, these other terrorist organizations. And they're literally, they're, they're sitting there with their feet up on the desk, eating their popcorn, watching us implode, and just waiting for that little place where they push that little button, not literal button, right? They're waiting to be able to have that opening to kind of help us in our own destruction and lead to these things that we're talking about, right? Uh, yeah. And we here, we here are oblivious because we're worried about overpaying for Netflix, right? Yes, yep. most definitely. No, that's what it is. Our priorities are, are just way out of check. Um, and we are seeing, I've, I've actually got customers, you know, uh, dealing down on the borders. Uh, Laredo, Texas, for instance, is one of the, the spots that is just horrible uh, for a lot, a lot of, a lot of different customers. My, I've got drivers have told me that they have parked on the border there in Laredo and he woke up the next morning and tried to start his truck up and his fuel tanks were gone. They, <laughs> they, he the straps loose and rolled the fuel tanks out from under his truck. Now, I mean, maybe they give him a few bucks too. That'll be, but either way, you know, it's that they, they hijack, uh, trucks and trailers all the time in that area and uh the more these borders are open the more we'll see that spreading throughout you know the country as well yeah there's a there's a whole hot spot that i wanted to bring up tonight and and this one will be mainly for every and that's that's uh an end over there uh, up in the north because i was tracking that and uh i saw some photos of the mosque over here they had cut the open floor and put that steel door on it and they were that's how they moved guys in and out until the IDF got in there and they, they put the kibosh on that form. But um, that's a whole other thing. A small city that's closed down and basically under siege. Not so small. Then yeah, right. Not so small. Yeah. Technically what all the refugee camp. It's always refugee. Exactly. Always always. Exactly. Yeah, all the news well, are refugee camp. Yeah. yeah, refugee camp is a very strategic way to call a lot of these uh, cities and towns in both the Palestinian territories. Uh, the Gaza Strip, nope, you know, parts of southern Lebanon, Syria, that kind of thing, in Jordan, um, but mainly the Palestinian territory. So Janine is a place I fought in quite a bit. I've been there, I, I don't know how many dozens of times for, and we were talking about it this morning over breakfast, and, you know, I, I, have, I have some fun and funny stories from there, 
uh, what was going on now, you know, I get, I, every time something like this happens, I get, you know, I get 500 text messages from people like, hey, are you getting drafted to go back? It's like, no, dude, this is standard. This happens every couple of years. Uh, in the last few years, we've been hearing about it in Gaza. Every couple of years, you go in, there's this big incursion operation, uh, depending on political goals, they term what that military action is. Um, this Janine, Janine is a, um, you know, if, if Paris thinks that they have no zones outside of their 20th arrondissement or whatever, um, you know, these, these areas are horrible. They're in what's called the, the A, uh, Palestinian ter territories, uh, out of A, B and C, uh, we can get into that some other time, but those are areas that, um, the Israeli government and the Israeli military don't really work in as much. They are, uh, by definition, they are controlled 100% Palestinian authority. Um, and Janine is always at the forefront of, uh, not not in the public eye, but at the forefront of terrorism. Um, it is kind of isolated, not geographically isolated. It's just isolated based on its density uh, and density of terrorist organizations. Um, and so that's kind of the deal. And, you know, we forget. We don't hear about this here, but in the last, uh, in the last year, Really, there has been a tremendous rise in um, terror in Israel, which we haven't really seen this much terrorism since I was in the military there. And uh, I was, you know, like I said, I was I fought through the whole second father a bunch of years. It wasn't like a few weeks, and uh, and this happens periodically. And now there's a big opening. There's a big, big, big opening, and all of this is more tied to politics than it is um, some sort of physical opportunity. Because, because just like your guys, if you want to learn what's coming here, you look at Israel, right? And we've been screaming this at the whole world, especially at the U.S., which is our really only true ally, right? Um, you know, minus the whole Biden thing. But, um, but if you look at what goes on there, you can plan to see a similar thing happen here. It's almost like a uh, like a petri dish for what's going to happen here, and. Uh, and you have to cut it. You have to cut it and you have to use force uh, because I, I've, I've always said one of our problems as Americans, when we go to fight a war somewhere else, right, we're, we're thousands of miles away and we, we like to say, hey, look, we know we, we've been studying the culture. We've been studying the people. We've been studying the geography, the language, et cetera. Uh, but we don't, right? We don't really understand the culture. Um, and, and by the way, it's a very similar thing in Israel with uh with us knowing our enemy um we know them better than maybe we do here when we go to a place like iraq or afghanistan but uh but not thoroughly enough so the flip side is not true to a large degree they do understand they do study uh and and they look for political opportunities right now there's political strife in israel both within the government and within the people, right? It's, it's, it's quite similar to what's going on here. The government is up at arms. Uh, the people are up at arms. There are, uh, in, a, in a country of 9 million plus minus, or plus 9 million people, over 2 million of which are Israeli Arabs, not Palestinians by definition, but Israeli Arabs, right? Um, we have, so meaning 7, 7 million uh, Israeli you know, Jews, we have half the country against half the country, right? But we also have 
well, as in fact, not accurate. It's, it's more so people in the streets demonstrating against the government, which is doing horrible things. We can talk about this some other time because we're trying to get the Janine. But the Arabs there, the Palestinians, they see these things as an opening, right? And all of a sudden, when was the last time we had an actually terrorist uh, act within the old city of Jerusalem? That's almost unheard of, right? Outside of the wars, I'm talking about a terrorist act. Um, and there's been like five or six just in the last few weeks, right? So, running gun battle down. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been now. This is now Janine. I'm talking about Jerusalem, right? So, well, uh, he's he's the, the random gunfire and the re I want you to go into the Janine thing a little bit and the reason the reason for that is I think that's a good parable for Americans to pay attention again Americans think that kind of stuff's never going to happen so I want you when M describes this imagine it's an American city that's essentially been been um surrounded and no one's coming in or out it's closed down and you're living in there with that and then you want to die up well, all of these things is in your face of this planet. I mean, they're as good as it gets, really. I mean, they're fabulous. And and they're assaults in that city. So it's a it's a very close parable to to any American city that this kind of thing will happen to. So let's give them a little bit about what's happening there and and, and like why. So uh, so essentially uh, this Janine thing, we're only hearing about it in the news now. And that's because there's been a a full-scale military engagement there. It's not full-scale, really. It's it's um, it's a couple of battalions, but um, uh, and and they're kind of it's like a joint special operations battalion where they take groups of different from different units of SF-like soft units, uh, put them together in these battalions, and that's he's been doing the majority of the work in the last little bit. But if you look at what's been happening there in the last couple of years, um. There's been so much stuff coming out of Janine, and there's been, um, the, for example, uh, in the Palestinian territories, people, what do people know here, right? They know Hamas. Okay, they know PLO, uh, which is now PA, Palestinian Authority. Uh, used to be Yasser Arafat's group, the PLO, right? Um, a few little anecdotes about the PLO I can tell later. Um, but uh, they became the actual de facto government. Well, Hamas terrorist organization understood by the entire planet to be a terrorist organization took over Gaza uh, in 2007 by force from the PA, right? Um, those are the groups people know, but there are dozens of, of actual terrorist organizations. A lot of them are actually more extreme because they are smaller. They're much more aggressive um, because they don't necessarily have political aspirations. They are more aggressive, right? Hamas toned down um, when they took control of Gaza, right? Of course, they murdered all the PA uh, leadership in Gaza. So they're, they're, none of this, none of this is simple. None of this is black and white. The example I want to give is a group called the Lion's Den um, that was created, uh, and they started in Janine. Uh, Janine and I believe uh, Nablus, um, also in the Northern Palestinian territories. Uh, and this is just in the last couple of years. In the last year, this lion's den started as just a bunch of bunch of guys, right, with guns, um, and they started growing and growing. <clears throat> excuse me, and they they started actually carrying out bigger terrorist attacks, and um, and a lot of this is stepping from Janine. We'll have more of an opportunity coming from Janine because it is a very hard to get to area. It's uh, you have to understand 
uh, guys, you know, those of us who have been in, in Iraq, for example, and all the really dense, dense, dense cities, um, Matt said a word earlier, he was talking about Kasaba is like the center of a city, right? That is the, uh, we're past 60 seconds, right? That is the clusterfuck of the center of an Arab city. Okay. Um, and well, uh, it, it, it's, it's there, these entire cities are built that way. And the Kasaba is even more so. Um, and these places are incredibly difficult to get to. And that's why uh, so many of the times we have to send in special operations forces as opposed to an infantry force to go get a person, right? Because you have to sneak in there. You have to do these pretty, pretty insane things just to get to that place without that guy being gone. Um, and so now it's gotten to just, this is basic three, you know, 30,000 foot level kind of look at it. It's gotten so bad coming from Janine that we had this upscaled thing, uh, in that area that hasn't really occurred in the last few years, certainly not in the public eyes of the entire world. Um, and so that's what it is. And, uh, last year we sent in, uh, uh, it's mainly this, this unit Yamam, which is some of our absolute best fighters in the country, um, along with a few other soft units and, uh, and just annihilated this group, annihilated them. Um, and, and that's kind of what's happening now. This is not a full scale war. It's not right. It's just a larger military operation. Um, that has a very specific, you know, set of people to get and set of objectives that are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're pinpoint. Uh, it's not go in, take over and win the war, right? We have been fighting insurgency wars since the beginning of this bit. Um, and, and that's what this is. And so, you know, the fact that we go in and, you know, 13 terrorists have been killed and over a hundred, uh, have been shot and freaking you know, hospitals, by the way, when, when that happens, typically they go to get care in Israeli hospitals, FYI, um, you know, because we're the horrible people, but, uh, but that's, that's essentially the deal. So it'll probably scare a few of them uh, for a while. Some committee terrorist acts. What you also have to understand is it's going to encourage a lot, especially of the younger kids to take up arms. Uh, this is not as not ending thing, right? And, um, I've had, just to give you an example, I've had quite a few experiences in Janine, uh, where for example, I'll give you one example. We went in, we had a thing for a while that got shut down because, uh, because the EU and the UN, um, got pissed at us. What we did was, and this was my unit specifically back in the second Intifada that did this. Anytime a terrorist act was acted upon, whether it reached the border or not, we would go in, figure out where this guy lived. Uh, they would send my unit in, typically under heavy fire, and we'd go and blow this guy's house up. Or, or woman, yeah, as the case in this story in Janine. There's a woman who absolutely blew herself up in a restaurant in Israel, killed a bunch of people. By women, I mean, she was in her early 20s, mid-20s. And uh, we went in, there were four of us, four people, <laughs> went into Janine, um, now, undercover of a different military operation run by paratroopers on that kind of the outskirts. Um, and we went in and, and found our way to her house and, and blew that puppy up. And uh, it was a tiny house, so you didn't need many backs, so to speak, to carry all the demo. And, uh, and as that happened, a huge 
<laughs> a riot ensued, which happens all the time. Like that's that's how that goes down. Um, this is kind of unrelated. It's just a funny anecdote at the end of the story. But uh, what happened was <laughs> all a ton of people started flooding in the street, and there's four of us, and I think we took two little paratroopers to to kind of secure us for a minute while we did the work. And, and everybody was kind of freaking out. Oh my God, what do we do? We can't just start shooting into a crowd randomly. And that's where I grabbed my officer. I was like, Hey, hey, listen, I got an idea. I was like, just try this. Cause one way or another, we're probably screwed. Let's run straight at them and just scream like a bunch of morons. Let's just run at him. I grabbed my AR by the muzzle. <laughs> and we just started running. And everything. What's that's called? Uh, in risk tactics. Okay, that's right. Never <laughs> <laughs> underestimate the power of crazy when dealing with an adversary. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. I know we're running a little over, and we are going to, and, and things are messed up tonight. And I take full responsibility for that. Um, I forgot of a change of time zone. It happened. I was gonna ask him, but I, I figured it'd be funny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was been wild. I thought about asking a couple problems, and I was like, Well, Russ texted me, and he's like, Everybody's in the podcast, and I probably tell them like tonight. And I was like, Well, yeah, everybody's in the podcast. No, he's telling me everybody's there. <laughs> and I'm like, Yes, right. And we're gonna have the little after show, Matt. If you want to hang around for a little bit, that's where we talk. I'm like, yep. a little here. Uh, yeah, that's heard of tonight and that's that's a bit fault of mine but matt go ahead and give a pitch tell them where they can find you and your stuff and then we'll switch over to the after show oh yeah Adrian, go there and hang out absolutely absolutely first reader store the uh holly wonderful producer uh, that i've been talking to throughout the show working soft slinky shoes uh she put the link up and firstreader.store there is a special discount for all of the viewers it is angry, not angry, but angry, just regular spelling of angry, all caps, all right? It needs to be all caps, very specific. A lot of people email me about discount code, all caps, and check 5% off uh, as, as a token of appreciation for being here to Chris, uh, for being a gallant host, and for all of you, because this audience, uh, the, the audience of Radio Contra, which is uh, my podcast, uh, and it's a great podcast. Highly recommend. Thank you. Well, you, you've been on there several times, so I think you're a little biased. Uh, but you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, but but uh, Radio Contra, you can find it on any of the podcasting platforms. Uh, we're, we're on all of them. Um, have a lot of fun. I put up a few episodes per week. Everything from you know uh, current events to uh, one of the last episodes I did was the Find the NSA collection. Huh? Uh, who's going to be hosting the class at my place. Um, he's going to be doing a SIGANT course. You doing an advanced again? You hosting on again? We'll talk about that one in a bit. That's good. Oh, no. It's a joke to him. Hell, I know. I'm really cool with that. But yeah, so, so, Patreon, hit the link for the app floor. We're going to be on the lock. New Trump. <laughs> 